This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rutgers Rant, our picks pod edition for Penn State. Reva's getting ready to schlep on out to State College, Pennsylvania, if you listen to the pod, you know this is my favorite trip of the year as I grit my teeth. But I'm driving with Fonseca, so we're going to have a great time. Carpool. Going to listen to this. What are we going to play in the car? What are we going to listen to? Brian, what we got? I say we open that up to the floor to the listeners of the Rutgers Rant because yes. if I leave it up to you, it's going to be Springsteen and every opera song from Mozart in 1640. So uh, we'll do the Boomer Zoomer version. Hey, we could do the Boomer Zoomer game in the ah, car. You play right. a song. I play a song. You play a song. It'll be a great little time. If you got a good podcast suggestion for Brian and I on I-80, whatever interstate we have to take to get there, please submit them now. Looking forward to it. All right. Before we get to our picks, before we get the Penn State breakdown, we've got some topics here. we got the basketball game, rack improvements, uh, and we've, we I want to start with the the non-rant rant, as I'm calling it, because fans did not like our characterization of Greg Schiano's sort of strange confessional at his press conference this week as a rant. Pat, you called it a rant. I think for, for people who don't understand, if you if you follow, if you go to these press conferences every week and someone says something interesting, I mean, it just qualifies as like a really big moment. This was interesting, Pat, right? I mean, what was your what was your thoughts when he started talking and kept talking? It was uh, not just that moment, which became, took on a life of its own to steal a line from Greg Schiano. It was the whole press conference. He had a very like joking manner, was very lively, moving his hands all around. He hit the mic at one point on his soliloquy. I characterized it as a rant because there was no answer to the question and it just went on. Not even close. So that's why I thought it was a rant. Maybe there was a mischaracterization there, but I'm going to stand by it. But if maybe don't uh, back a, down a, now. a soliloquy is a better 
soliloquy yes. definition of what that was. That's a tough headline word, but it could be a soliloquy. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was just surprised it didn't. And this is what got me like it. Tell me if you disagree, but I did. I just didn't think it was something that needed to be said. I, you know, like to, you know, of course people would assign for six and three and, and down six points to Iowa. I mean, I, I just feel like after the Indiana game, all everyone and not just us in the media, but there was just this general sense of great. This is now a good season. It's an accomplishment. It's progress. It's the whole. We've said it in the podcast. We wrote it. I gave him a contract extension after that game. You know. And then we we took a pause and we went okay, all right. Well, we got four games left. You know what 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 can be accomplished here? And I thought that was kind of not that we had moved on from six wins, but certainly everything that we've covered or everything we've talked about, you know, it's kind of been all right. This is all gravy. You know what what's the team got? And clearly, against Iowa, didn't have anything. Yes, and it seemed like it was not spur of the moment. It seemed like he planned to get that message across somehow. I did ask the his rant soliloquy aside, whatever you want to call it, came a question after I asked him if he would consider making a change at quarterback, considering how poorly Gavin Wimsett is throwing the ball. He shut that down really quickly. I don't know if it was simmering. I don't know if it was the person who asked the question, the question itself. I don't know what caused it, but he very clearly wanted to say in not so many words, and I'm paraphrasing him here based on what I read of this. Hey, guys, can you be a little grateful here? We won six games for Christ's sake. You guys thought we were going to win four. How about a little gratitude and not expecting us to beat a juggernaut in the Big Ten West who's going to win the conference and is 8-2 and two and has beaten really good teams? I think that's kind of the recalibration that he was trying to set to say, let's take a step back and realize like we're still in year four of rebuilding what was a really bad program. We already overachieved which I think is probably fair to say six wins is a bit overachieving. I guess our rebuttal, uh, my rebuttal, I would say is everyone would sign up for this in July, 100%. I think when you win six of your first eight games and you look better than expected doing it, expectations change a little bit. And I don't think it's unreasonable to think when you go into a game where you're essentially a pick against the worst offense in modern Big Ten history that you can not let them have their best game of the season and you could score at least once and you can not have a stinker. I think they're allowed a stinker. I kind of think maybe we did go a little overboard. It is what it is. I think that there are still a lot of questions brought on by that performance, but I think Greg Shiano wants everyone to say, calm down, take a breath. We're in a pretty good spot here. Let's not start saying the sky's falling when two weeks ago we were saying, let's throw a parade down. Um, where do they throw parades in New York? What is that thing called? Yeah, Canyon of Heroes. Heroes. Yes. Thanks. I haven't I haven't celebrated a New York championship in quite some time, so I forgot what it was called. Yeah. So there's so it's great. And you may I think you're absolutely right about the point being that he wanted to get that out there about the season of all, but there's there there were some layers to it too. I mean, you have to kind of to peel back the onion. He also wanted to say to us, and I'm saying us, the royal fans, media, us, that here's why we're playing this way was the other like that was that was a big part of this like we have to play this way to win or to have a chance to win and that's why you know when you take shots like like I did when you take shots at the game plan and that's what I wrote immediately after the game was that this was not this was a, a brutal game plan I thought well, I still think it was by the way um and I think that that was his point like this is the why this is why 
You know, when you look at Gavin Williamson's numbers, this is what the quarterback did. I think he just wanted to put all that out there, which for me is a point you can agree or disagree with. This is not like, this is not like if like true, a, a true fact, six and six from six wins is a good season. I think that is hard to disagree with, but for me, I don't, I think the offensive plan was, was bad for that game. I don't think, I think a lot of people agree with me. I just don't, you were trying to win that game, six, nothing, six, three, and it wasn't going to happen. You know, I just don't think I just thought that that part of it. All right. You want to you want to defend where the program is or what's happening this, you know, overall, the big picture. That's great. I don't know. It was a bad game, bad coaching, bad performance. And that's what we do. We we react to games. That's ultimately what the media, the fans do. It's the whole point of this. Not to bigger and elongate this any longer than it has to. I generally agree with that was really the only game plan that would have worked. I think they very clearly are – and look, again, I've written about Kevin Wimsett's accuracy issues. I do think there is a major question mark at that position. In fairness, I think the complete lack of depth at wide receiver and at tight end makes it so that when you're playing an elite defense and you can't run the ball, I mean, that's really – I mean, it's almost impossible to score, right? That was really their – I know people wanted deep shots. I think that was something that you probably wanted. Who are they throwing the deep shots to? Right, I wanted. The, I wanted. The, I, wanted the, I wanted them to try at a certain point. Like we just want to screen. We just want to screen. screen pass we wanted something. We wanted not to be out coached by Brian Ferentz in the in the biggest game of the year. Um, I mean, there's a mil- like a million things. It's just other than running the, the three plays and punting. It was just what are you guys? It was just not. I, look, I get it. Good defense. A million. I understand all that. Maybe they were due for a game like this. I understand that too. But Pat, I mean, I don't know. Am I wrong? No, the the game plan was was so obvious to me. Like, and once they couldn't run the ball, that that was it. There was no life to the offense. And and to be fair, when things weren't working for Brian Ferentz, he was running jet sweeps and screens and and hit his tight end who was lined up at fullback for a sixty yard game. backfield. Creativity yes. there. Right. There was yes. creativity there. Whereas Rutgers, there was zero creativity to the play calling, which is. There hasn't been a whole lot of creativity of the play calling this year. Rutgers is going to do what it does, try to get to third and two, and then, you know, run a quarterback power on third and two. Like the the game plan, it's at this point, like very predictable. (laughs) So, no, you're not wrong. And uh, the other part of the rant soliloquy aside that I want to address to pull back another layer is that he also addressed in, in the middle of this tangent that, NIL is free agency. Detroit, I know. It was great. He needs a payment the size of Detroit. <laughs> His mind was all over the place, which just makes it why I thought it was a rant. It was perfect. Yes, the size of the Detroit line free agency. Oops, and he did like a little Betty, Betty Boop. Oops, <laughs> yeah. with the Detroit. But it was fun. Look, I, lo- I love it. You know, and I, I listen. It wasn't necessarily an angry rant. Maybe that's why people get it so like twisted. He wasn't yelling or angry or twisted right. anywhere like that but his mind was all over the place right. and it is it was colorful i think it's funny like if you listen to my, uh, the other pot uh, the, the yahoo football inquirer when they talk about this like the like the jim harbaugh talked about chickens like anything that's interesting is to me it's, and it was certainly interesting it, it more debate about it is better ultimately i think everyone agrees though that's that's the broader point everyone agrees with the central point of what Greg Shano said, and I guess that's, I guess that's the big part, the biggest takeaway. These things are awesome. I hope Greg Shano has a rant every Monday 
and does like this is great. I mean, I, I can't speak for all of us, but I was sitting there. I think Pat would agree with me, kind of at all. Like, is this is this really happening? Like, what is going on? And uh, he was joking around with us, right? Like, he opened a little bit of the big picture window about obviously saying that we would have signed up for this in July. And I tried to sneak in a big picture question that I do every week. He shut yes. that right down. But he was very, you know, he was good I, about that. So I, thought I was, was hoping if one of you, the best, it would have been great if one of you at the end of this would have just said, uh, just as a follow up, Greg, about the uh, handoffs with the read options or whatever, like, whatever the initial question was. If you went back to it, he would have been like, oh, I see that. <laughs> that would have been like the perfect jersey. <laughs> you could have, you could have went back to the original question. That would have been, uh, that would have been funny. Which I, I didn't like. I didn't think that that was a didn't strike me as a really controversial question either. I, the whole thing was great. Let's uh, all right. Let's move on. Let's talk basketball. A couple of big things happened basketball wise. Uh, the first part, the bigger part, is that the team seems to have found its footing, at least against, you know, we'll just say it's it's November opponents, oddly um, Georgetown, worse than Bryant, I thought, watching them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, finally you see a rotation. You see Gavin Griffiths, what he's good at. You see um, some of the other guards making plays, Brian. I mean, you know, defense was, was pretty good. What overall now, what are your takeaways two weeks into this after the Princeton loss to where this team is now? First of all, Georgetown stinks. They stink. Yeah, we all knew they were going to stink. I mean, that's not. I'm just saying, when people see, wow, Rutgers beat Georgetown by double digits, Georgetown is 185th on Ken Palm. The worst team in the Big Ten is Minnesota at 101. They stink. Uh, They look very clearly like they're struggling to learn at Cooley System. It's their third game together. That's totally understandable. Anyway, my point being that I still think that Princeton has been their best test. I think that's pretty clear. I would say that uh, I'll start with the major concerns I still have watching this team just to get the negative stuff out of the way. They can't hit a layup. Uh, it, it's it's mind boggling how hard they struggle to finish at the rim. It's wild too. Yeah. There's so many plays too. No, no, Fernandes had a couple of, wow, what a great drive. And oops, you know, bangs off the back of the rim. It's yeah, so frustrating. It's it's confounding. I, I have no explanation for it. I, maybe it's a snowball thing. Even and there's one point that Peichel made, Steve Peichel made in his post game presser that made sense to me. Sometimes in transition, it feels like they're just trying to play so fast that they get to the rim and they can't like stop and finger roll the ball. Like they're they're too sped up. I think that's certainly a possibility. And their free throws are aside from Derek Simpson, who's hit all twelve of his attempts this year, brutal. I mean, just brutal. They don't get to the free throw line enough, and when they do get to the free throw line, they struggle to make them. Th- that aside, Gavin Griffiths. I'm very impressed with him offensively. I think he has a chance to be, by the end of his freshman year, the best offensive weapon they've had under Peichel, better than Geo Baker, better than Ron Harper Jr. Very impressive. I'm very worried about his defense. They really need to clean that up as soon as possible because what he's giving you on the offensive end is almost being taken away by him getting beat pretty badly on just about every other defensive possession. He's going to be targeted on -on one-on-ones. He's going to be switched onto often until he can clean that up. Cliff Omori found trouble early in two games of the first four games. That's a little worrisome. It was. Uh, they were better without him in the first half, too, which is interesting. I get it. I know you're going to say short, short window, whatever. But it was just it, it was it was interesting to me watching it. Like, oh wow, they, they flipped the switch with Cliff on the bench. I, it's a fair point. They outscored Georgetown. I think I had the numbers in my story. It was something like eighteen to four without him, and then he came, comes back on, and that's right when Georgetown's run to cut the lead happens. I don't think it's because of Cliff. I think it is a coincidence, but you bring a fair point bringing it up. 
I think this team is very clearly going to depend on its defense, as it always does under Steve Peichel. I think the offense will be a work in progress, uh, to be kind. I think they're going to hope that the two freshmen develop and get better, that Noah Fernandes gets more comfortable. He looked good in the second half. And that by the time that really important stretch, Illinois, Wake Forest, Seton Hall comes around in December, Mouat Mag is back and ready. I believe that's the point they're targeting because that's really the season there. If you lose three of those games, it's over, essentially. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they're targeting. And you got to hope that in the next two ga- two weeks, they have two games against Howard and St. Peter's. You rest up, you work on in practice, you get those two wins and kind of take some jumps there, and you're ready for that monumental stretch. It's interesting, Pat. Like I've, I've, I've now started to watch this team in a different way, maybe just because the signing day thing was on my mind and I knew that Steve Peichel was going to address it. And he did address it. If you want to read Brian's story about uh, what they said about the recruiting class, obviously you know who the recruits are at this point, but he talked about it for the first time and gave some, gave some insight and in what he expects from those players. I've started to like watch this team <laughs> in a different, like what, putting the new pieces around the current pieces. I know that's not, it might be, like, all right, well, how does how does that how does how are these guys going to fit in around the new uh, newcomers? Because I do feel like that in a lot of ways this is a bridge year to what everyone expects to be a really big year next year. And there are some pieces like I keep on coming away with that. Like you see, like Jim Michael Davis in the first half, yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and and the same with Fernandez Griffith. in the second half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Griffith, Griffith in the first half. Uh, yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. And from a fan perspective, what's better than to to dream about this possibility of next season? It's so alluring and and fascinating to think about. Okay, right, we we can bring in East Bailey and and Somerville and all these guys, and and we can plug plug here and develop them and and see what this looks like. So, I think um, I think you're right with your assessment that we can still win and this could still be a bridge year and all that. Speaking for Rutgers, of course. Yeah, I think you just got to take it game by game and uh, and just see how it all unfolds. Because like you said, they're figuring out the rotation and they're figuring out these guys are settling in. So just just take some time. Like Brian said, these next two games are are are, are good tests. And then the really important stretch comes. So just stay patient. I do want to say two things. It's remarkable watching this team this year and then just imagining a little NBA player dropping in and <laughs> playing at the rack. It's 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 almost unfathomable to think of. Um, Steve Peichel and the players were kind of reserved on that. Steve Peichel really didn't seem to want to single out Ace Bailey and talk about his impact, which I understand that's a very Steve Peichel kind of thing, team over individual. But to have a guy who's projected number four in the 2025 NBA draft by the albeit very early mock drafts at right. Rutgers, at yes. Rutgers, right. that is unbelievable. Um, to it think totally of- is. Uh, it really is. It's just hard to wrap your head around. It is. It is. Absolutely. And the flip side of that is to be excited for that season next year does not make having to go through what could be, uh, you guys call it a bridge year. I totally agree. could be a tough year having to, it's not like you have, you know, better draft capital at the end of this year. If you have, yeah, but I haven't, I, it could be. And certainly after Princeton, I'm like, Oh boy, it might be the last few games. I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be, I guess is where I come away with right now. I know, you know, there, there I saw some things that at least make me think like, all right, there's, there's this team's got some promise. Like, let's see how they do in the big 10. I don't think this is going to be 2016, 17 bad. I don't mm-hmm. think so. I just think right. it's going to be a departure from the last four years where fans were expecting to be in the bubble race in February and things are exciting the whole season. I'm, I'm, I mean, it's possible, but I just don't see it. So I think if that possibility happens, uh, it might be tough to, 
wrangle through February, but to have the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe have another five-star NBA-level prospect coming in, if that ever happens, whenever it does, if whatever, um, I think that'll kind of get people through. But it's just yes. incredible that you're at the rack, you're seeing a pretty good crowd on a Wednesday night. To imagine the noise level at that place when Ace Bailey is in transition and throws down the most vicious dunk you've ever seen is uh, remarkable to think about. Let's talk about that place because this was the other big piece of news. Rutgers released a survey and just trying to like think of a, a think of a good analogy here is like if you if someone walked up to you in the mall and said, "Hi, we have a we have to, we like to ask you some questions about the survey," and then you took it you took the clipboard from the person's hand and broke it over your knee, which was the response of a lot of Rutgers people. It's like, "I don't want to take your stupid survey." Don't want good things at the rack. People were angry about it. I wrote a column that kind of felt that. And I think part of it is because all the questions were, uh, do you want a top hat and a monocle? Or um, would you prefer a mink coat and caviar? I mean, like the whole thing was very like, I mean, I don't know. And, I, that's, and they did it for a reason because they're trying, they're trying to figure out what luxury seating people will pay for. It doesn't mean like every one of these examples of luxury seating is going to be in the rack. I mean, they're trying to figure out what people want. Totally understandable. I think the main takeaway is that people want <laughs> more urinals and not to have to stand on someone else's feet when they're trying to leave the building in the concourse. I think that those th that was my main takeaway. And my, I guess that you must have gotten the same sentiment from people. Plebs for the plebs uh, urine. We'll start with the urinals, but in the corporatization of big time college athletics, it's really important to sell suites to businesses and, and bring in corporate money. That's how you make revenue. So Rutgers is trying to prioritize how do we actually make money off this building? And that's why the priority of this survey was right. about monocles and mink coats, as you put it, Stephen. I get it, but where, okay, so I uh, totally, and they're going to do that and they should have some of that. Absolutely. The, there is no, right now, the luxury option at the rack is just the, like a parking spot you can get out of in the, without waiting for three hours. But like what we're, I guess my question, like Brian, we're talking about like Cameron Inner Stadium or does that exist? Some of these places don't, it's just a different thing than an NBA game. Am I wrong about this? Like if you go to a college basketball game, you're just looking to scream. You're looking to be around students. You're looking for the energy of it. You're not looking for a sushi bar and a high-end, you know, single malt scotch. I guess that's just where I come from with this. Um, and certainly you're not looking for it there after 50 years of habit building about the rack. I think there are two conflicting desires here. The school wants to make money and profit off of this very exciting product they have. And to do that, you need luxury suites that will invite companies and sponsors and the rich people who have disposable income to spend five figures for season tickets to go watch Rutgers basketball, which is one of the hottest tickets and is going to be one of the hottest tickets in town next year. I think everyone else that's been going to the rack for 50 years and dealing with very bad basketball and still coming back and sitting in the 100s and families who have had generations of season tickets want very simple things. They want more bathrooms. They want a wider concourse. They want better concessions. And they want the atmosphere, most importantly, to stay the same. And I think that is the trickiest balance to play. Sure. And they, and they don't want their seats to move, too. That's the other part of it. Absolutely. They don't yeah. want their seats moving. They don't want their seats to go up 10 times the price, which right. is Almost seems almost certainly yeah, yeah. going to happen when that's yes. not only because the tickets are going to be in higher demand and because the team is better and because they have two, they're they're going to have one maybe two NBA players, but 
but because yes, the luxury seating that's going to be included. But here's my argument. One of the main reasons this program is good and is where it is, is because of the design of the place, the noise the fans make, the passion they have, and how involved they are. I think the players in Steve Peichel have been very vocal about that. If you close off the corners and make a 360-degree concourse like they plan to, and if you can reconfigure where the student section is, which I believe is possible, moving them to the sidelines, and if you add, more importantly, these luxury seats where if you pay $25,000 for a luxury seat, you're not going to be standing up drinking a beer going, ah! screaming at, you know during defense. You're going to be sitting down and clapping with your caviar in your hand. Uh, good job, boys. Good job, fellas. You know, it's yeah. that's I wonder that's going to kill the atmosphere. I think you wrote that in your column, right? The new Yankee Stadium, the new MSG. When you get people that aren't the people in the 300 slugging back beers after a day of work and you get the people entertaining their clients for yes. whatever bank you work at, that is a very mm-hmm. different crowd. Yep. People don't care as much. That's the other part of it. And to the broader point about the ticket prices, they're going to go up and the Rutgers will be stupid not to raise them. I mean, it's very simple. Like I, I hate to say it, but if, and people who have been going to the rack at a certain price point for the past 20 years, cause the teams have been bad. We're going to be angry about that, but yeah, I mean, it's Bailey Dylan Harper, you know, I mean, it's going to be a, it's going to be a higher ticket. And so it's fascinating. And the, and the final thing I want to say about this, because I do think it's like, it's the broader issue of college athletics in 2023. It's, and it goes back to this, like, do you build the Death Star for the football team or do you funnel all your money toward paying the players? I think it's pretty clear that most coaches at this point are like, we need to pay the players because I've seen it up close. Now you're doing the same thing with basketball. All right, this is a little difference because this is going to, it's going to pay people, it's going to pay for itself in some ways once they get the revenue from the seats. But at the same token, you're going to outlay, I don't know, $100 million? You get 25 from the state, $75 million? You got the, so you got the fundraise for this. Is that money better spent or is it better spent telling people, you know, hey, we got a collective over here. John Newman's got his John Newman's got his his, his pillowcase out. Look at his unit his UNICEF cardboard box. Looking for looking for loose change so you can put so you could you can pay the guys to stick around after their first year. I don't know. That's really a central question here. It's hard for me to right now where college sports are not make the argument the money's better spent on NIL. I know no one cares about people. It's all about profit. It's the truth for everything in our society. But it just does say to me that there are people who live and die, live and die by this program and a lot of programs around the country who are being going to be shoved aside for the people who have more money, who view it as yes. an entertainment, a night out versus like, this is my life. I care very deeply about Rutgers basketball. That is said. Totally. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldrich lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldrich.com. All right. Good job on those three topics. Let's talk a hey, football game this weekend. Let's talk about Penn State. Following the Nittany Lions, it's like the year I feel like they've had this year every year. They're beating everybody except the two teams that the fans 
like want them to beat. They're just dying for them to beat another season without a win over Michigan, Penn State. Offensive coordinator get fired. I was a little surprised by that. Um, Pat, I mean, give me a breakdown of what, what, what is this team going to sleepwalk? Like, is 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 the hope here for Rutgers that this team is going to be like, all right, I see, we're yeah. going to the Citrus Bowl. Who gives a crap? We're going to sleepwalk through this thing. I I think. Yeah, I, I really do. And and if you look at the way they played against Michigan, they got completely bullied and run over, especially in the fourth quarter. Like they had no will to play that game. And that was their biggest game of the year. So I think you're right that Rutgers does have an opportunity to catch them sleepwalking. And in between coordinators, too, makes a little bit of difference. That's why I wanted to ask Greg about it. If that if that changes anything or what, because it was a surprising fire. He's clearly the scapegoat in this James Franklin situation, right? Like Penn State isn't an explosive offense. They play great defense. They're kind of a very, they're a lesser version of Ohio State, which Rutgers played pretty well. So I think it uh, it's a decent matchup for the Scarlet Knights who are getting a lot of points in the spread. So I'm really interested to hear the picks. It's tough, Brian, though, when you think about playing another defense like this, when your offense already, your team's already beat up. It's a bad, we knew this was going to be a bad stretch in the schedule, and now we're seeing it up close. Yeah, Penn State is just Iowa, but better on in every aspect. Um, yeah. Penn State's numbers look brutal against Ohio State and Michigan. They're like destroying everyone else offensively, aside from those two. I think they're, they're averaging 42 points or something to that effect in those games. I think... The hope is they sleepwalk because they almost lost to Indiana right after the Ohio State game. They sleptwalk mm-hmm. there until the fourth quarter. I'm not sure Rutgers has the firepower offensively to do what Indiana did, frankly. Like I I, I I'm trying not to do the one sample one game sample overreaction because after Ohio State, we thought they were gonna run all over Iowa. And now after Iowa, I don't think they could have run over Carney High School. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to be a little bit more generous and be objective. And if you, you hope that Kyle Manunga is back closer to one hundred percent or as close as he can be. You hope Jaquay Jackson is back. Do we think know. those guys are going to be back? Uh, I, I would I would say I'm more optimistic about Kyle Manungai right. uh, than Jaquay Jackson. His injury looked a little brutal. He didn't come back after he got out. Right. Kyle Manungai finished the game, so I would say that. We'll get to their picks in a bit. I don't give Rutgers much of a chance. But before we get into that, I do want to say Penn State, they're in a, they're like in a, a marriage that they're staying together for the kids. And in this case, the kids is a $64 million buyout. James Franklin <laughs> wants to get out of there so badly. And Penn State wants him to get rid of wants to get rid of him so badly, but the kids are just not going to grow up for another three or four years until it drops down. So there's no there's no oil money out there to pay sixty four million dollars to this. And he's been let's face it, like he is one of the he's in the top two percent of college football coaches. I get it. Like, I mean, what more do you what you want to be Ohio State? I understand that, but I mean, other other than that, the guy wins ten games every year. I mean, good grief. But he doesn't win the game. I know. I hear you. But get some perspective, folks, out there in in the middle of nowhere with nothing else to to pass time other than these 12 games a year. I mean, please, people, get a grip. Assuming he doesn't get uh, – the guy who built the ice hockey arena is the only rich donor I could think of that says, eh, here's $64 million. I don't think that's going to happen. I think no. he'll be the hugest beneficiary of the 12-team playoff. Because that'll be a scenario where a team like Penn State, who maybe mm-hmm. doesn't win their conference, could sneak in as the 10th seed or whatever, and at large, and then they get a better matchup than Ohio State, Michigan, which knows all their signs because they play each other every year. Exactly. And, and, and start uh, losing to Georgia as opposed to just losing to Ohio State. Exactly. At least it's something yes. different, you know? Something new. They're sick of losing to the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. Let's lose to some <laughs> Big 12 teams. Let, go, boomer Sooner, baby. Boomer Sooner. 
Let's lose to Oklahoma. Uh, all right. What is the, the line's 20 and a half? What's the standings? We all tied now? Is that what it is? Because you know, what, what, what do we got here? You and I are tied, Ed. We're yeah. tied. You yeah, and I. Okay. You and I are tied. Pat is down a game. Uh, because you I, picked, what did you pick Iowa to? I picked Iowa to win and cover. And oh, not to God. brag, I'm the only one left that's 10 and 0 straight up. 10 and 0. Mm-hmm. If you've been riding my picks, okay. you could you could buy out James Franklin contract if wow. you've been riding my picks. Straight up. Yeah. A lot of people worried about that. Okay. Good job by you. Um, so you're in last, Pat. I'm sorry, yeah, I didn't know that. Only a game behind, though. An opportunity. I will take. I will take uh, down one game with two games to go. I would sign yeah. up for that in the three summer. games. We're gonna go. We're taking this oh, to the bowl games, game, certainly. But this doesn't end after Maryland. You've got a chance to come back. That's All right, so Brian, you want to go first? You want me to go first? You tell me. You tell me. Let's keep tradition going. You can go first. Okay. All right. I'm prepared to go first. Um, I kind of hinted at where I'm at with this 20 and a half. It's a lot of points. Uh, but I just, I, again, like I just think of this would be a chance for Rutgers upset in a different scenario. Like you almost wish what would have happened if they played, if they hosted Penn State after the bye week at six and two, feeling good, some time off to rest the guys who are banged up. Now it's just, it's just a different scenario. You're coming off these two brutal games you're going on the road uh, i get it that the penn state might be disinterested but i've i've thought that many times before and penn state's been just fine with these games granted Rutgers is better but still um you know I, I don't know again i didn't i didn't love what i saw offensively from from Rutgers certainly against iowa um is it gonna be different now same collection of receivers without Jaquit jackson maybe all right so i'm going with nitty lies i think they're going to cover i think it's going to be penn state 30 Rutgers seven you're up did you know that Rutgers has not scored a touchdown on the road against penn state since joining the big 10 uh, i did not know that they scored 15 points in four trips to the happy valley wow. since joining the big 10 all field Ooh. goals um they end that streak they will end that streak they will score a touchdown it will be their only one Penn State is Iowa on steroids. They're going to sleepwalk the first half, maybe the first three quarters. It'll be, you know, a one-score game either way. And then eventually they're going to be like, are, are we losing to Rutgers? And they'll wake up and, you know, have a big fourth quarter. Um, and I, I, I think they'll cover as well. Right. I'll say something like 34-10. I just think that Rutgers is not quite there yet to upset Penn State. Uh, they, they've been in it with them a couple times, I just don't know if they're ready to get over the hump. And James Franklin, as uh, disinterested and as upset as he may be, and how as badly as he wants to get to the divorce, I think he will. Uh, he'll pull through and win this game. All right, we agree, Pat. Well, you just set this one up perfectly for me and Rutgers to cover. So, I, I will say this: Penn State has not. They've blown out some really bad teams. The Indiana thing is perplexing. It, it just makes me think that if they if they get a, a two-score lead, are they going to be able to push it? I don't think so. So I'm going to take Rutgers with the cover, and I'm going to say Penn State 30, Rutgers 14. Rutgers okay. covers. Rutgers covers. All right. Well, we'll be, we'll be, if that happens, we'll be not at the top. If not, you will be eliminated. That's fair. The other thing I worry about, like, you think about what Kirk Ferentz did late in that game when it was 22-0, and, you know, he could have gone for the last touchdown, and he was 
a sportsmanship sportsman about it. James Franklin ain't gonna do that. He's gonna score. So that's the other part about like when you when you look at 20 and a half points, you're like, if it's late in the fourth quarter, is he gonna take a couple of knees or run in the middle of the line? No, he's 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 gonna be James Franklin. So all right, we'll see who's right about that. Hey, it's boomer zoomer time. Woo-hoo. Uh all right. I got some heat from people who think it was too hard last week because I uh <laughs> obscure saxophonist graduated from Iowa and I was struggling for people to put on the list. I do not think this is going to be a problem this week. I really do not think there's anything obscure here. Could be wrong. I think it's pretty easy, actually. I'm going to put the over-under at eight and a half. What? What? All right. You're right. Seven and a half. I always forget that. But if he misses the first two, I'm going to drive. I'm going to drive to New Brunswick and beat the crap out of him. So let's keep that. So Pat, I would take the over if I were you. All right. Sold. Over. Okay. All right. You ready, Brian? There's no shot you're coming down to New Brunswick. Let's be real. There's nothing you could do to make me get in the car and drive that far. Absolutely right. I'm ready. Uh, Okay. For one point, can you tell me who Keegan-Michael Key is? He's the uh, James Franklin impersonator. The uh, comedian, Key and Peele, um, Mm -hmm. the uh, bald man, yes. There you go. All right. So it was about as easy as you can come, right? That was an easy start. Sure. All right. For two points. Can you tell me who Penn State alum Ali Krieger is? The uh, United States women's national soccer team player? That's correct. Two points. Two I'm easy so far. Even a soccer question? <laughs> Again, I've taken some heat. I've been too hard. I've been taking. I thought maybe I just want to, and we want to like diversify the list here too. It's important. Yeah. All right. All right. For three points. Can you tell me who Ty Burrell is? He's an actor, right? He is. I've heard his name before. I can't mm-hmm. tell you where he was in, but I've heard his name before. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't tell you. Okay. What was he in? Pat, do you know? Don't know. No. Tough name. If you if you saw him, you'd know. We'll give you half points for this. He's Phil Dumphy in Modern Family. Ah. Uh. Uh. So if you saw his face, you know who he is. He lived in a car, I guess. So this was like a funny story I was reading as I was researching this. He got his Master's of Fine Arts at, which is, I didn't, I wouldn't have guessed you could get a, a Master's of Fine Arts at Penn State. But hey, he got a Master's of Fine Arts at Penn State, lived in a van or lived in a something on campus. Phil Dumpy, you've got to start there. And this is this is a good, this is a wrinkle. This is a good one. This one. See if you can get this one. For, for four points, can you tell me who Bruce Banner is? No, I was think, hoping you say Bruce Beck. Think outside the box. Bruce Banner. Can, oh, Banner. I, Banner. Bruce Banner. Can you see? Bruce I, Banner. You all see? The, 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 I think Pat Delight just went on. What? Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yes. I, I wouldn't have gotten that. I, radiation I would, I scientist. That. He's a radiation scientist. Oh, this is like He was a graduate of Penn State and in, the, in the comic books. It's all over like when you're listing the famous alumni at Penn State because the list is so bad, they have to they have to use fictional people. What's up, with this, what's up with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania using fictional characters as like achievements? They got the, the Rocky scientist. statue in Philadelphia. They got Hulk as a Penn State graduate. What's next? <laughs> What's next? Superman is going to graduate from Penn? What is this? <laughs> All right. For five points and the win. You still win. And you know, I know you know this because you've answered, a, you've answered a question correctly in the same universe as this person. Can you tell me who Patrick Fabian is? 
He's in uh, Better Call Saul. He's the yes. Uh, he's the yes. uh, who is he? Come on, who is he? I, I I know his face. He's he's one of the partners. He's like the yes, the, the very clean cut guy. The um, yes, I don't Howard know. Hamlin. Howard Hamlin. There you go. Make meets his end. Yes. Great job, Fonz. Good job. Great I'm job. gonna give you a bonus too. I'm gonna give you a bonus for uh, educational purposes. All right, I don't expect you to get this. Uh, Gion Bluford. <laughs> So if you're fo- if you if people who follow this know the reason we're doing this is because Brian could not tell me who John Glenn was. Gian Bluford, Penn State graduate, the first black astronaut into space. How about that? There you go. The more you know, ding. By, by the time we finish this podcast, I'll learn about every astronaut to ever walk the moon. <laughs> every Big Ten. A lot of Big Ten astronauts. It's good. Apparently. What about Rutgers? Do we, do we have an astronaut? No, no, no. Good question. Uh, that's a bummer. I guess Rutgers basketball is the only thing going to the moon. Everything else. Wow, look at that. Uh, are you ready for uh, the Zoomer section of Boomer? Yes. I hope it's as easy as, as the Boomer. Okay, I'm ready. I, I wouldn't say it's as easy. Uh, mm-hmm. Pat, you want me to go first or you want to go first? You go first. I'm still trying to figure out my pronunciation on this on my word. So you go. Sure. Oh boy. Sure. Oh boy. Mine, I think, is kind of easy, but I guess we'll see. Do you know what it means to soft launch? <laughs> <laughs> do i know what it means to soft launch uh um, what a soft launch is it could also a, be a thing it, it is a a soft thing. launch is like is it when you're instead of like a real date you're going out like with a girl like kind of like casually to see if it's uh if it's uh, you know if it's meant to be like before you officially dating so sort soft of launch. you're on the right track a soft uh-huh. launch is for example uh you're seeing a girl for a month you're not really dating but you're seeing her it's getting a little serious and you want people to know, but not her specifically. So you post a photo of you at dinner. You post the, the her soup and a little bit of her elbow and her hair is like really. So you it's know, that specific, okay? Not that oh. specific, but my point is like someone who sees that story says, "Oh, Brian's on a date with a girl. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's his girlfriend. I don't know if it's just some girl." But you're soft launching the idea that you're seeing somebody. Interesting. That is really that is. Mm. And then huh. if you're once you're dating them, then you post a photo with them. That's called a hard launch. That's letting everyone know I'm dating this person. So right. there's a lot of uh, it's not like back in the day where you kind of just meet someone, take them to dinner and then you marry them next week. It's mm-hmm. a little bit. There's a lot of convoluted games going on in today's modern dating age. Thank God. Thank God I'm married. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Same. Soft launch. Same, because I have no idea what this word is that I'm about to give you. <laughs> <laughs> what hope do I have then? This is All like I the know is that it is spelled K I K I. I'm gonna say that's Kiki, 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 and it can be used as a noun or a verb. Kiki, Kiki Vanderveen, excellent basketball player from my generation, older than me actually. Uh, Kiki, you got a Kiki something? Man, I don't even have a good guess about this. Can you give me a hint? Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, if but, Rutgers pulls off a massive upset, there'll mm. be a big kiki in New Brunswick. Ooh, big kid, big. Is it like a party? You're having a kiki? Yes. You're having a kiki? Really? I give it to you. Does a anybody kiki use this? Party or festive gathering, though it can be used as a verb. To kiki, for instance, no one, no one in Jersey is using that one. Come on. You could, you could kiki uh, on a big night out, I guess. Okay. Like partying, or but a kiki is a party. So, hey, hey, Brian, me and you're gonna be kiki in in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, because 
spoiler alert, you can't stay anywhere near State College on this road trip. So that's tonight. Tomorrow night, we're going to be kikiing, baby, at the, the Williamsport Applebee's. To, to be clear to people listening to the pie that Politi keeps alluding that it's just me and him in Williamsport, we're not like excluding Pat. Pat has a key himself on Friday night. <laughs> yes, tell, Pat, tell us about that. I think the readers should know about this. This is the yes, listeners should know about kiki. this. There's a big kiki in Philadelphia. And yeah. uh, shout out Justin Ashenfelter. He's getting married. Beautiful bride. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be a, a, a big celebration. And, of course, all the wrestling fans out there, should know there's also a Kiki at Jersey Mike's Arena on Friday night. Rutgers versus Virginia Tech in wrestling. Huge match. Up to five or six ranked matchups. Uh, it's going to be really heated. It's the first time Rutgers is going to face, has a shot to beat a top 10 team in a couple of years. So we will have our man, Jacob Ferriott, there covering the match while I'm Kikiing. So you're going to go to the wedding Friday night and you're going to stay at Candace's parents, fam, parents' house in the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, okay. and right. then drive to State College, and that's like a two-hour drive from there. Yeah, it's about two hours, so it'll be. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna plan on leaving at six a.m. Okay, All this right. is what we do to cover Rutgers football for you folks. Don't ever forget it. Uh, yeah. So that's why Steve and I are kicking separately in Williamsport. Yeah. Um, and for the for the record, Steve, in your defense, uh, when Pat and I were discussing this, uh, I told him this is about two layers of Zoomer beyond my comprehension. <laughs> Like I had no idea what a kiki was. So. No, but it's it's like it's like uh, Guillaume Bluford. It's something the more you know. I can yeah, of course. I can use that key. I'm not. I don't know if I'll be able to work it in a sentence, but it's good. Good to have. I, I found a, a, just a gold mine. All these words I'm finding are from Oprah. A, a list on OprahWinfrey.com that right. she has defined millennial slang, and That's they're it. fascinating. So if you right. want to go, okay. Because because when I think when I think when I think Zoomer, I think Oprah. Clearly, yeah. of course. All right. Well, well for, before we sign up, we got to congratulate our man, Chris Corso, the uh, basketball SID for uh birth of his first child. And this is great stuff. So he was at like, and I noticed this, like my eagle eye, I noticed that he, he was sitting there where he always sits near the, on the scores table next to the bench. And then halftime, he wasn't there. It was Griffin Whitmer, who, who another uh, sports information uh, employee was sitting in that seat. And Corso disappeared. And it turns out that's because his wife went into labor. He had to rush out. Good yep. stuff, man. And I just I kept on thinking about this. Like, if that had happened, like, at the end of the game, and he got stuck in rack traffic, I mean, forget it. Like, they could have missed the birth of a child. Because, and that would have been the ultimate, like, the ultimate rack moment there in, in Jersey traffic coming out of Jersey Mike's Arena. Wow. Yep, yep. The the baby was very smart to start coming out at the under four timeout, uh, the first half. Uh, Chris got rushed out of there, understandably, got home, and by the time we were wrapping up po- uh, Steve Peichel's post-game press conference, uh, his first daughter was born. Uh, congratulations to him, to his lovely wife, and the baby. They're all doing well. Uh, I, I got a message from uh, Chris as we were taping the pod, actually. So uh, good news. Everyone is doing well. Chris will have a much-deserved 10 days off or so from all of us and, and the <laughs> basketball staff and everybody. Uh, he'll be sleeping very little, I imagine, but it'll be <laughs> nice to have his phone off. Uh, I'm sure he's excited. Uh, so yes, congratulations, to Chris. And uh, Pykele's going to be texting him like some some the early next week, like, "Hey, man, no, I'm kidding." Of course, you get time off for having a baby, even dur- even during basketball season. Well, time yeah. too that it happens. You know, these ten days, he'll be back by Illinois, so he's not even really missing anything. Uh, take more time to that, Chris. Come yeah. on. 
Wait till Big Ten season. Congrats. That's great. That's great. There'll be a lot of sleepless nights the next couple of weeks. And then again, at the end of the season while we're waiting on the bubble, right? So you'll be, you'll be a a trained professional by March. (laughs) Take your, take this. This is actually going to work out well. Take your paternity leave after the basketball season, because then, or even better, if you can plan it during March, then you can watch the tournament while you're just sitting there with, you know, keeping the baby alive. Some strategies here. This is good. All right. Anything else, fellas? I think that's about it. Before we go, before we go, I need to hear about this monumental, historic, gigantic fantasy football matchup between my two co-hosts on the podcast. Fun. What happened? Give me. I want to hear all about this match. Pat, do you really want to talk about this? No, I I really just want to podcast. Not much to say here. Complete disaster for the. For the animals, your team is garbage. I think is the correct the fantasy. What the kids, the the kids say, the Zoomers would say, uh, garbage. Politi beat me by about seventy points. So yeah, uh, let's let's just end it there. Yeah, one third. Sorry, no, it was one thirty-five to seventy-seven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tough, yep. tough week for, for the animals. Still sorry. starting, still starting. Derrick Henry, like it's uh, two thousand nineteen <laughs> here. Let's look at your write up. Low event, Thomas, too. Logan Thomas is, yeah, it's good. Right, okay, we're done now. You have a Giants. You're starting a New York Giants receiver. I didn't even notice. And not even the good New York Giants receiver. Wandale Robinson was in your lineup. We're, we're diving too deep. Now we're going too deep. I okay. regret asking this question. I had AJ Brown. <laughs> this is, what, this is how we feel. This is how we feel when we say the word soccer for you. This is exactly how we feel. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, I should have done uh, AJ Brown on by DeAndre Swift on by. All right. Uh, enough. Hopefully I'm not starting Wandale yeah. Robinson. Politi caught you at the right time. Politi mm-hmm. got you with your, your, your best guys out. Um, 135 about, to 77. 80, 82 to 77 when we were driving back from LaGuardia. And I was like, oh my God, this is this is happening. This yeah. is happening. That's why I asked because you were so excited. You thought they were going to make a, an epic comeback. I'm yeah. sorry to hear it didn't work out. So, yeah, <laughs> on the way back from LaGuardia. We won't talk about that. All right. We'll be back on uh, Monday to recap the Penn State game. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.